Hi there, and welcome to another Oster podcast. My name is Todd Fraser. Necrotizing fasciitis is a scary disease process for even the most experienced of emergency physicians. Patients can rapidly deteriorate, and diagnosis is notoriously difficult. Michael Greenberg is an emergency physician and EM residency director at Asuta Ashdod University Hospital in Israel. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Nice to meet you too. Michael, why talk about necrotizing fasciitis? It's quite an interesting topic because uh, once uh, upon a time uh, when when I uh, was a medical student or and uh, uh, intern, it was like once in a lifetime disease. Mm. Every physician who uh, ever met it, it was like once in a lifetime event. Actually, today my impression is that it's much um, high. Uh, the prevalence is much higher. I don't know why, because um, the statistics, like U.S. statistics, uh, talk about uh, 0.4 per uh, 100,000 uh, uh, people per year incidents. And it's translated to 700 up to 1,200 uh, uh, um, uh, uh, people a year in U.S. at home. My uh, community is much, much smaller. Um, we have a catchment area of uh, like uh, under the uh, half a million, like uh, 500,000 people. But in uh, three years, we had 45 cases. So it's like 10 times, if not 20 times more than uh, this uh, incidence uh, quoted in uh, US statistics. So why it's important to, to speak about it? First of all, it's not so rare as we, we wish it would. And second of all, uh, the mortality is super high. I mean, uh, if you don't detect it at time, if you don't treat it uh, aggressively, um, the mortality is as high as 70 up to 100%. So most of the people, if uh, if you misdiagnose it, if you uh, like, uh, miss it, and it's very easy uh, to do, um, they are doomed. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if you do treat it aggressively and you do catch it in time, the mortality uh, could be in an area of 30-40%. So it's still a um, devastating disease, but uh, we can save at least half, if not more, of uh, our patient if we catch it in time. Mark, what are the... Um... What are the salient features of necrotizing fasciitis that mean you should be suspecting that it exists? One of the prominent features is pain out of proportion. Again, it's subjective, but but it can help. Okay, if you have patient who is in uh, pain and you look and you check and it's not ischemic leg leg. Um, and it's not uh, something else that very that can explain this pain. Think about necrotizing fasciitis. Uh, 
as a, as a uh, feature that might be, might be, but might be too late, this is a patient who doesn't look well, okay, with something that it looks trivial. Okay, patient will come with little red uh, area on his leg, but he doesn't look well. We, we did uh, learn and we teach all our residents and all nurses and all, if we have a patient who comes from a nursing home or patient who is debilitated, the first thing that we do, we open the diaper and we check his uh, peroneal area. Uh, but in every patient, probably the full uh, physical exam of and exposing all areas, uh, especially faults, uh, uh, should uh, should be part of uh, ED evaluation. It's usually not, uh, they don't come with a uh, high fever. And also this discrepancy in vital signs. Okay, even if you do have a, a well-looking patient, okay, but he has high pulse or respiratory rate, be uh, be suspicious and look for for the cause. Are there any specific risk factors? There are risk factors. The literature can uh, identify uh, risk factors. It's uh, they are talking about age above uh, fifty, uh, immunosuppressed uh, patient, uh, uh, etc. In in kids, a little bit different. In young uh, athletes, uh, the use of uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs was identified as a risk factor. But I don't think it's very important because of a, because this is such a rare disease that if you don't have high index of suspicion and if you don't look for, for it, it, does, it doesn't matter if you look at risk factors or not. Um, Michael, why do we miss necrotizing fasciitis? What's the problem with making that diagnosis? One of um, the reasons that I think that uh, it's hard to to diagnose um, this condition, it's because it's uh, heterogeneous. It's not one disease. Um, Traditionally, we identify two types. One uh, was more common, but I can say that uh, actually in in my hospital, in my department, the second time is more common. But traditionally, uh, the first type was described as more common, and uh, the first type was a multibacterial uh, disease, uh, some uh, gas-forming uh, uh, bacteria with another anaerobes. And uh, sometimes um, uh, also uh, other gram negatives like join the party and make a devastating uh, necrotizing process with a uh, gas forming. And then we have a classical picture of uh, crepitus and um, uh, pain out of proportion and uh, etc. Et it does involve over a few days and not hours. Uh, on the contrary, the type uh, two, usually it's monobacterial. Uh, sometimes uh, two bacteria can, can be um, uh, 
isolated, but usually it's monobacterial. Most of the cases are with uh, group A uh, streptococcus, but so sometimes, uh, especially in US, they also uh, isolate uh, the MRSA, uh, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus. Uh, in our cases, it's usually Streptococcus group A. And the natural history of, the, of this disease, it's um, different from type 1. So it's at the beginning, it's more indolent. But when it starts uh, development, it can develop over the hours. Those are patients that can deteriorate uh, uh, in front of uh, our eyes uh, to, uh, in uh, two, three hours, uh, get from uh, walking uh, ambulatory status to, uh, to be in uh, total uh, shock. Almost 50% of those patients develop what uh, it's called a streptococcus uh, toxin uh, shock syndrome. It's quite similar to staphylococcal toxic uh, shock syndrome, but it's caused by uh, toxin of uh, strep uh, group A. And it can explain at least uh, partially uh, the clinical picture of uh, rapid uh, deterioration. And if uh, again, if not treated uh, aggressively, then uh, patient debuts. Today, um, current literature does uh, describe uh, two additional types. Uh, one is uh, more common uh, in uh, South uh, Asia. It causes other uh, by other bacteria, also uh, multibacterial, uh, but uh, vibrio types. Um, it was related to a uh, consuming of uh, rare uh, seafood, um, probably uh, carrying uh, those uh, bacteria. And the first type, it's still very, very rare. I think it, it does uh, a life, uh, once in the life uh, event, um, and it's fungal. Uh, it's usually develops in the uh, ICU uh, patient, but it can be also in, in the community. So, uh, and it also rapidly developing disease. So maybe we uh, we should at least be aware of uh, of it. So why why it's so hard to to diagnose uh, this condition in time? Again, uh, because. Because of um, natural history, sometimes, as I described, it's uh, indolent uh, up to like uh, last few hours, and uh, sometimes it develops over the days. And when we we don't remember exactly what type comes with what, so we we mix uh, and match signs, and then we look for crepitus, but. Uh, in uh, type 2, uh, there is no crepitus, there is no gas-forming uh, bacteria. So uh, we are not expecting to see uh, air in, uh, in the tissue. If we do imaging, uh, ultrasound or CT, uh, also x-rays, uh, and we, don't, uh, uh, we shouldn't expect to feel crepitus uh, on the skin. Um, and then uh, patient 
the developed this streptococcal toxic shock syndrome. They also can be quite different from usual patient. And actually on, on this stage of the disease, it's probably behind the treatment and we should uh, uh, detect it earlier and uh, treat it uh, aggressively. Sometimes, if it's clear-cut necrotizing facilities, it's easy. Okay, patient okay with pain out of the proportion. is actually uh, Usually, it's low extremities uh, or uh, peroneal area. So we open, you know, in old debilitated patients, it's very important uh, to open the diapers. So we open the diaper, we see what we see, and then uh, we understand uh, what it's in front of us. But if patient came with little swelling of his leg, little redness, it may be painful, but everybody has different uh, uh, tolerance for, for pain and suffer. So it doesn't look for us the pain out of the proportion. And he may be a little bit tachycardic, but a little bit tachypneic, but nothing else. And he comes and he's, he's okay. And he says, okay, I have this even for two, three days uh, for now. What should we do? First of all, suspect. Okay, first of all, think about it. Uh, have a high index of suspicion, okay, it might be necrotizing fasciitis. Uh, check uh, really vital signs and do pay attention to any vital signs mm -hmm. deviation. Usual cellulitis, even without fever, uh, doesn't uh, rise uh, the pulse to 130, 140, uh, and the uh, respiratory rate to, to set. Uh, if you have rated labs, uh, pay attention if, uh, if he has any uh, metabolic acidosis, uh, leukocytes, uh, leukocytosis, again, out of proportion, and then uh, carefully, uh, obviously, exam, exam him. If he has any bulla, if he has any uh, redness that uh, spreading uh, fast, uh, again, it's uh, for necrotizing um, facilities. Michael, what's the role of diagnostic imaging in making the diagnosis? The imaging really helps to rule out Okay, if, if you do uh, imaging like uh, ultrasound and CT, and if you see uh, the air in the tissue, okay, it's rules in. But if you don't see, it doesn't rule out. What bedside assessments can be done to help make the diagnosis? What you can do uh, to convince you self or your, you know, cutting colleagues, the, the people with the knife, uh, you can do what we call a finger test. 
you uh, fix some uh, small area, you anesthetize uh, locally with uh, lidocaine, and you uh, make uh, a cut, maybe one centimeter, one and a half centimeter cut. It depends on the patient, of course, but you, you should get to a subcutaneous a tissue and better to uh, fasten, but uh, it's enough to, to get through uh, subcutaneous tissue. And then uh, just put your finger in uh, this cut. What you won't see in necrotizing fasciitis is bleeding. Okay, no blood will come out. And Sometimes what you will see, it's called a dishwasher fluid. It's just a, a very dirty uh, serous fluid. And also, if you don't uh, have your uh, COVID mask on you, you will uh, smell uh, the very distinctive uh, smell of uh, necrosis. So uh, I, I don't have numbers. Okay, I, I can't tell what is the uh, specificity or sensitivity of, uh, of this test. And obviously, if you convince that you have necrotizing fasciitis, you probably don't need to do it. But if it's the case that uh, you think about it and you, um, uh, you are not convinced by yourself, or you can't convince the surgeon to take this patient, to our, uh, it might uh, help. So um, we we talk about diagnostic imaging. You you can do it, but again, don't rely on it. Uh, it can rule it rule in. It can't rule out. Okay, normal uh, city or city that will describe. Uh, the usual uh, like edema in uh, the tissue uh, that comes with cellulitis, it doesn't rule out uh, necrotic fasciitis. And I'm not talking. Uh, I'm not talking about a plain X-ray. Obviously, it, it won't uh, exclude it. And also, uh, ultrasound. There is uh, some case study in the literature when they save. Uh, some uh, uh, lady with uh, early ultrasound and detection, but again, it can help us to detect it earlier, but it can help us to rule it out. What's the ED management? What should we be doing in the initial stages? It's very simple. Be very, very, very aggressive. Okay, as soon as you think it's necrotizing fasciitis, be aggressive, especially in in the cases of uh, maybe type two, when we expect a patient to get in this uh, uh, streptococcal uh, toxic uh, shock syndrome. So be aggressive with uh, uh, your fluid uh, management, okay? Early uh, fluids, I hope you uh, already uh, using uh, balance uh, crystalloids, uh, versus uh, abnormal cell line, but um, uh, be aggressive with the uh, fluid management. If uh, they need uh, inotropes, also try to use it uh, earlier rather than uh, late, and antibiotics. 
Um, regarding the antibiotics, uh, the literature says one uh, regimen. We actually have another. The literature says about uh, mertapenem or uh, uh, with uh, vanco. We actually use um, other regimen again uh, uh, because we have high higher prevalence of uh, group A. Uh, Streptococcus, so we use the uh, ceftriaxone with clindamycin, and clindamycin helps uh, to prevent the toxin production from uh, streptococcus. So this is the regimen that we use, two uh, grams of ceftriaxone twice daily, uh, plus uh, clindamycin 600 uh, up to 900 uh, uh, three, uh, four times a day started earlier but again the definite treatment is surgical uh, we can try uh, to help but we won't save the patient okay if he won't go to surgery he eventually will die as you mentioned the key intervention is surgery but it's sometimes difficult to get the attention of the surgeons have you got any tips in our hospital uh, orthopedic surgery uh, are doing uh, limbs and uh, general surgery uh, doing uh, uh, other parts, peroneum and uh, abdomen. Uh, so, um, but if you can't convince one of them, just call another. So, if I can't convince orthopedic, I call general, general surgery and, uh, and sometimes it helps. Uh, my other trick, but again, in my hospital, um, the infectionist, the infection uh, control uh, unit of the hospital, um, they are very active and very helpful. And uh, during at least the daytime when they are in the hospital, um, I can call, I can call for help if I have the slightest suspicion and uh, they came and they engage the surgery and ICU people. And uh, sometimes if, if they think the imaging is appropriate, they consult on this issue too. And they uh, uh, really help uh, to, to move patient along because we, again, we should remember we can't save them. We can't save them. If it's necrotizing fasciitis, only the surgery can uh, can save uh, their lives. Michael, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Okay, thank you. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Get access to all our great interviews, as well as hundreds of modules, journal reviews, quizzes and articles by downloading our free app. Search for My Osler wherever you get your apps or visit our website at osslercommunity.com.